Welcome to Opening the Door podcast. Join me as we unlock the door to our psychic and mediumship abilities. Today you'll hear a conversation I had with Calum. We talk about Calum's spiritual journey, obviously, and also you will learn all about Lenormand cards and the basics about how to use them in this episode. We had a lot of fun connecting with Calum and talking about these sort of older, folkier forms of divination, and this was just a really fun conversation to have and I learned so so much I think that you will too we were connected through Anthony obviously our pod BFF so we do mention that in this episode you'll hear and yeah just a really cool new form of uh well it's not a new form of divination but a new new to you maybe form of divination for you to learn about today before we hop into this episode I also wanted to remind you that my website is live and you can book zoom readings with me you can book mini readings with me you can get some digital download guided meditations guided by my voice and all that other good stuff if you sign up for my email list you will get also a digital download of 22 days of spirituality for you to follow along with which i did on ig and tiktok so if you're interested in following along on that journey for yourself go ahead and sign up for my email list Enjoy and remember, don't be afraid to open your door. Today, we're welcoming Calum to Opening the Door. Calum Turner is a professional astrologer, tarot reader, and Scotland's leading palmist. Calum started reading fortunes as a teenager and now at 29 years old is branching out into teaching and writing, helping others to divine their own future. Today, Calum is here to talk about a lesser known oracle, Lenormand. Calum, welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so excited. As we chatted a little bit about before we hit record, Anthony, who is our pod BFF over here, connected our us. Mutual friend, yes. Yes, connected <laughs> us um, to talk about Lenormand specifically, which I am so, so excited to talk about. But first, before we jump into that topic, can you tell us a little bit about your own spiritual journey? How did you get to where you are today in your practice. Yeah, I feel like it's always been there sort of inside of me. I always uh, kind of use the same examples in interviews. Um, and I feel like any witches out there will kind of like uh, relate. <laughs> there are kids who wait all year for Christmas and there are kids who wait all year for Halloween. Um, and I was definitely the one waiting for Halloween. As a child, I was sort of obsessed with um, witchcraft really. Um, and we have a strong history of it here in, in Edinburgh and Scotland. Um, so I never felt disconnected from it as a child. But when I started to grow up, I sort of um, realized that it wasn't normal, right? <laughs> and it, it kind of had to go away in a box for a few years whilst I lived uh, my teenage life and started to discover, you know, who I was as a person. Um, but I always sort of came back to that. It was never like fully out of interest. I think I got my first tarot card reading when I was 10 years old um, wow. and it was in like a traditional uh, like Romany wagon you know like the old wooden Vardos in a grassland called the Meadows uh, in Edinburgh where I live not knowing that you know 15 years later I'd be starting my career in the same place <laughs> so that was kind of cool um, but I didn't get my first deck of cards until I was 17 had like a bit of a rocky time in my late teens I was homeless um, kind of fleeting from job to job all that kind of stuff 
And then at age 22, I had what most people would describe as like an awakening <laughs> or maybe what uh, Muslims describe themselves as like reverting to, you know, uh, their original um, sort of mindset or belief. Um, and I just started branching out beyond tarot. I learned astrology. I learned uh, palm reading, which is probably what I'm best known for, um, and lead any other forms of divination. I was 24 when I started my business. So it's been five years now. And it's just become you know, a lifestyle for me more than anything else. It's not just a practice. It's pretty much in everything I do. It's hard to get away from it. <laughs> Amazing. That's that's so cool. And I think palm reading is something I haven't touched on on the podcast yet as a topic, but it's it's just so cool that you've accessed some really interesting, and we'll obviously get into Lenormand as well, but these sort of different forms of divination that feel a little bit like maybe a little bit more ancient or a little bit more um niche like folky (laughs) almost like these really sort of they have like a really cool background and history of like so many people used to do them right and then it sort of fell out and now it's sort of like ebbing and flowing so I just love love to mention that cool cool stuff that you're accessing Um, yeah I'm definitely drawn to the more kind of like you said like folksy methods Um, I mean I'm an astrologer as well which is not folksy in any sense it's almost academic a lot of people would say it's academic Um, but I named my business fortune by Calum because it is a fortune telling business and I feel like a lot of fortune tellers even today they feel like they have to call themselves psychic or diviner or an intuitive or they just say they're a tarot reader or whatever Um, because fortune telling almost has this like old world kind of sense around it It evokes like images of a a fortune teller in a tent you know in the 1800s a fairground something like that but I'm trying to sort of like keep it current (laughs) yeah yeah do you think there's a difference between doing psychic work and doing fortune telling work for you is there a difference or do they do you see them as sort of one and one in the same I mean the two can bleed into each other you know they are connected in some ways but I avoid calling my advertising as a psychic because I don't perform psychic readings I don't uh give mediumship um it actually has happened and we can talk about that it's happened in Lenormand cards and occasionally tarot um and a couple of times in the tea leaves as well. But I, I try not to do it because it's not a service that I guarantee. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not here to bring a message from like dead Aunt Sally or your grandmother or whoever it is. Um, but they are always connected. I would deem fortune telling more as future reading from traditional methods usually, whether it be cards, palms, uh, tea leaves, whatever. Whereas uh, psychic readings would be more towards mediumship, clairvoyance, um, even mind reading, telepathy, something like that, which is, I guess, more of like performance based by mentalists these days. <laughs> right. um, but that's kind of how I separate them. Interesting. So do you consider yourself psychic at all? Yeah, definitely. I think anyone who does any kind of readings, whether it be tarot, palm, astrology, and I do like a bunch of different kinds. <laughs> There's yeah. days where I'll, come, where I'll come home after work and I'll be like, oh my God, that was like psychic shit today like that was a lot of it um but I avoid using the word because of mainly other others preconceived notions about what it means and what they then expect from you they expect something different from a fortune teller to a psychic Mm, yeah great love the delineation I think it's uh definitely cool and interesting for people listening to hear about what the differences might be what are some of your favorite ways to access your own intuition just in your daily life like if you're not reading for anybody just for Mm -hmm. yourself. 
Yeah, so I try to avoid reading for myself, mainly because um, I'm a Pisces, like I've got a lot of Pisces, so I'm heavily delusional <laughs> intuitive <laughs> when it comes to like other people's feelings and like other people's events. But like I look in the mirror and it's just clouds, you know. Um, so I try to avoid doing like cards for myself or anything like that. I do astrology. Uh, I follow my own transits, obviously. And I actually think astrology is the most superior form of divination in terms of predicting future events with transit readings and especially for timing. Um, but even just, you know, natal chart analysis, um, you know, you as a person. Um, so I follow that a lot. I try to live <laughs> by astrological transits because I feel like my life lines up better like that. However, and I always forget what it's called. The name will never stick in my mind. I just call it signs, um, like reading signs in day-to-day -day life. And that might be um, certain animals that, you know, come across. I live in the countryside, so I like, see animals quite often. It could be, um, I talked about this in the last podcast I did with someone on tea leaf reading. It could be like looking at what kids do. They look to the clouds in the sky and they see a shape. You know, I kind of liken that to tea leaf reading a little bit. So I try to not get confined to a deck of cards or a birth chart or the lines in someone's hand, um, especially for myself. I try to see it and permeate through everything. Mm, yeah, this is a total aside question. But since I have you here, one thing I've always wondered about palmistry specifically is how can we tell things about people and like maybe some future stuff that might happen to them based on their hand lines like I feel like we do such similar things with our hands like how can our hand the the lines in our palms tell those things and like be so different I don't know I know that's like a I know it's like a totally uh we're we're off our our question list but if you if you have any <laughs> thoughts gone on from it. the Norman to palmistry but it's okay. <laughs> um the way to make predictions based on the lines of someone's hand is either by looking at the condition of it so it tends to be deeper and stronger is more positive um you know on the lifeline that would be a sort of physical body interpretation um on the headline that would be someone's mentality their heart line maybe their romantic life um or even the condition of their actual heart and there's just just different signs that can come into the hand crosses squares triangles these are little shapes that our lines make um, and it's hard for other people to spot because it's not like drawn with a pen <laughs> it's not like perfectly you know shaped or anything it's just lines in your hand but you can make predictions based on the lines you can make predictions based on what we call the mounts uh, which are just the seven divisions of the hand and the kind of shape of the palm um, there's lots of ways to do it through palmistry but it's very different from I guess, card reading, especially Lenormand, because I would say Lenormand more predicts people, you know, it can be quite detailed for events and things like that. Palmistry is similar to astrology and that you can see timelines with it. There, there is actually like age on the line. So it's maybe a little bit more accurate in terms of timing, but I wouldn't say it's as detailed for events as cards would reveal um it might be in your reading you know if you're very intuitive but i feel like the cards offer more detail there whereas the hands are more guidelines yeah mm, fascinating so so cool well okay we will get we'll get on topic here let's talk about lenormand cards so i had heard about lenormand cards maybe once in passing in some other podcast i'd listened to and thought interesting interesting name never heard of it okay and then as we mentioned Anthony brought them up to me and and then introduced the two of us for this episode so can you start by telling us a little bit like what are Lenormand cards and a little bit about their history and origin 
Yes. So I liked what you said earlier, uh, a lesser known oracle, Lenormand, like that's a good way to put it. The Lenormand cards date back to the year 1799, as far as we know. So not too far back, you know, they're not ancient, um, but still a time gone by. They actually weren't even branded Lenormand cards originally. They were called the Game of Hope, um, which sounds optimistic. <laughs> And they were kind of rebranded in the 1800s due to Marie Lenormand, who was a French fortune teller. She was a fortune teller, I think, to um, Napoleon Bonaparte and his wife, Empress Josephine, when they were in power, you know, and kind of aligned herself reading for a lot of famous French names at the time. Um, so she was kind of immortalized in history. And then after she died, um, I'm not sure the original company, but companies started to sell her cards, sell their this game of hope as Lenormand cards. Um, so it was almost like a branding tactic that they sort of came to, to take the name. But Lenormand cards are different from tarot. I always say tarot is occult symbology um, and very rooted in sort of like European religion and uh, folklore, you know, like the Pope card or the devil and all that kind of stuff. Lenormand is more folksy. It really is. Uh, the images themselves are derived from tea leaf symbols. And actually, um, about 20 years, I think, before the Norman cards were published, um, or maybe even quite a bit further back than that, um, there was a publication of coffee cards. And the symbols from there were just basically taken from coffee reading, also very popular. I think that's really popular in Turkey still today. So that's really where they came from, from the idea of tea leaf reading, but without the tea put into cards. And then they sort of gained popularity more in Europe through the 1800s and the early 20th century. Now that we have sort of card reading communities all over the world and the magic of the internet, there are many, many kinds of decks. Mm, so cool. So what, how are they different from Oracle decks? Obviously Oracle is really popular. I personally love working with Oracle. I feel like my intuition flows really well through them. So what's the difference between Lenormand cards, Oracle, and you did touch a little bit on the difference with between them and tarot. But if somebody already has like a few tarot decks, a few oracle decks, what can Lenormand sort of bring to their practice? Lenormand is totally different. And I mean, every oracle deck is an individual creation, right? So we can't really liken any of them to anything. Yes. I'm actually not a fan of oracle. I've only got two decks. Um, and I just feel like one of them is quite predictive, but I just feel like oracle cards are more advice-based and energy reading. Um, they're not so much fortune-telling predictive. Yeah, and tarot cards, I mean, traditionally are used for prediction, but I feel like a lot of tarot readers, they get in this mindset of kind of, they kind of read it like Oracle. They kind of read it like, um, oh, here you've got the death card, like a big transformation awaits. Like, no, something horrible is going to happen, girl. It's the death card. Like, <laughs> I feel like a lot of people get fluffy with it because they're afraid to make hard hitting predictions. Um, and that is exactly what Lenormand is for. Ooh, Lenormand cool. isn't there to give you advice. It's not there to coddle you. <laughs> it's there to tell you like what's going to happen, good or bad. Um, and I feel like a lot of tarot readers, especially, I'm talking about tarot because it is just the best known card reading system. And I feel like listeners will be more familiar with it. Um, tarot is a cult symbology and it really mirrors with astrology you know whatever system you're going on whether it's um Rider Waite Smith or um the Thoth deck Thoth tradition like they're very astrology based Lenormand cards really come from a sort of older mindset and reading 
our everyday stuff, right? So there's a key card, there's a home card, there's a dog card, there's a coffin card, there is a fish card. And you would just interpret it in a totally different mindset, more like omen reading, I guess you could say. And very different to tarot as well, where tarot has many different spreads. I think maybe the Celtic cross being probably, you know, top dog in that sense. Lenormand only has three spreads, <laughs> traditionally, that I know of. The string, which is just a, a line of cards, horizontal, usually three, five, or seven cards. The square, which is nine cards in the shape of a square. And then we have the grand tableau, which can be read two ways. And that's actually using the whole deck. It's 36 cards, so it's not like tarot. <laughs> you wouldn't need like a giant <laughs> table for it. Um, and Lenormand cards tend to be smaller. I use the grand tableau for all my Lenormand readings. I actually don't even like appreciate the other spreads whatsoever. It's wonderful in terms of seeing pretty much every area of someone's life all in one spread. And again, the predictions can be quite literal and hard hitting, but also symbolic. So it gets you in this mindset of reading it two ways, because I feel like the tarot cards, you know, nine of cups just means what it means, right? Um, whatever it is, whereas something like, say, uh, let me think of a good one that's more symbolic. So the fish. Fish would be very different in Lenormand versus how you see it in like the Page of Cups card. Page of Cups, you would relate it to Pisces, water, all that kind of stuff. Fish in Lenormand means finances. It means money. But it also has like a double meaning with alcohol <laughs> and anything related to water. Um, and I always like to think of the expression like drinks like a fish, <laughs> which we could sort of relate to, to Pisces. It's not recognized recommended that you bring your tarot practice into Lenormand, right? It's not recommended that you look at it like an astrology deck. It's hard not to do though if you're an astrologer. It's hard to keep all these systems separate, but it is just a totally different way of looking at the cards. Is the dog card someone's actual dog or is it symbolic of like their best friend? Because it can be either one because dogs are man's best friend, right? So it's getting in the sense of like thinking of it in both ways, symbolic and literal and trusting your intuition to know which is which. So cool. So let's say somebody feels inspired. They're, they grab a Lenormand deck from, you know, they buy it online or grab it from their local store. How should they begin to use these cards and like learn the symbology? It's important to understand with Lenormand's that you cannot you shouldn't really read one card on its own. Whereas okay. like for tarot, that's kind of how tarot started, I guess, through Sortilage, like choosing one card and reading it as a fortune or as an answer to a question. Lenormand cards are read in pairs or in threes or in fours. Um, they kind of give meaning to each other. So for example, um, the fox card. Now, again, it can have multiple meanings. It could be, rarely would it be a real fox. <laughs> it is possible. And that's come up for me once. It's usually going to be more symbolic of someone being cunning or sly, you know, all these kind of more folksy associations we have with the fox. For me, it's actually a career card. But what are you going to do if you just pull the fox card? You'll say, oh, you've got a career card. How do you make a prediction from that? It's nothing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you compare it with, if you combine it with, say, the stars card, what's the stars card symbolic of? Well, it's symbolic of astrology, of science. Again, use your intuition to tell you which one. So fox and stars, for me, that would be like your career in astrology. Um, pull a third card. What is it? It's the sun success um, or creativity or summertime, whatever the interpretation is. So you kind of have to get in the habit of storytelling and combining these cards as if they were individual elements of one story. 
if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, definitely. And so do, do these cards, like usually tarot decks and some Oracle come with like a booklet to tell you what each symbol means or like how to look at yeah. it. Does are Lenormand the same way? Do they come with some sort of guide? Most of them do. I mean, I actually really, I only buy antique decks. Um, and again, because they're European, they're mostly in French or German and I don't speak either language, so <laughs> I can't really read them. But if you order like a normal Lenormand deck off the internet or whatever, it should come with a little white book in the same way that Tarot does. I think maybe it's not going to be as great as explaining the spreads, um, especially with the Grand Tableau. There's two ways to lay it out. Um, I always go nine cards in four rows. And it's kind of, it's kind of like a little game figuring it out. So for example, card number three is the ship. So if you were performing a grand tableau, you would shuffle the cards, lay them all out. And whatever card came up in position three, you would combine it with the ship meaning. So it's almost like that position, that spread position, if you like, is related to its uh, card, the card that it's related to. So say, for example, I pulled the clover um, in position three, you would combine the clover with the ship, right? The clover's Ireland, so they're probably going to Ireland or <laughs> uh, on a gambling trip, maybe, or somewhere fun. So yeah, it's always in, a, in an essence of combining them rather than reading them on their own. And I feel like people do that with tarot spreads as well. They're like, oh, this position is past, this position is present, this position is right. future. I pretty much always read future with Lenormand. I feel like people should know their past or present <laughs> already. Um, can sometimes be helpful to look back on it, um, but I'm really always more future focused with it. Yeah. So in each row that you're describing... Do, does each row represent something different other than like, yeah, we're seeing like the, the points of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine in each mm -hmm. row, but does each row, like you sort of said, not, it's not really past, present, future. So does each row represent something or are we really looking at it from like a bird's eye holistic it's, view? There's there's different ways you can do it. Um, the most traditional way to do it, and I actually don't do this way, it's called the, the near and far or the distance method. And it's kind of like in tea leaf reading. There are two people cards. There is the lady and the gentleman. So it's very gendered. <laughs> um, and you're either going to be the lady or the gentleman, depending which one you're going to be. The one that you're not choosing as yourself, that would be seen as your romantic partner. And you can either read the cards that surround the, the the people cards I don't like it because that's kind of reading them as individual cards again so there's not as much detail it really depends on what position it's in so say for example if a student comes to me right I'm always going to look for the book card um, because that represents education books writing whatever the book card is number 26 so I wouldn't just look for the book card and see what position that's in I would also look at position 26 which would be the house of the book or say, for example, I'm thinking about position 13 is the child card. So if someone had son, daughter, whatever, you would always look to the card that you've drawn 13th to relate that to their child, not just looking at the child card. So it's like you can see things in multiple places. <laughs> You're not stuck to sort of one corner of the spread reading on one area. Mm, fascinating. That is really, really cool. You sort of just, you, you touched on in the beginning, sort of yourself having some, some maybe mediumship experiences with these cards mm. can we can we get some stories yeah it's totally unintentional because again like it's not my goal <laughs> to bring uh forth like a message and 
I get a lot of clients as well. I used to kind of entertain this, um, especially with younger clients. And they'll say, you know, what does this person think of me? And it's totally possible to do that with cards. Like I've done it many times, but now I just say, I'm not a mind reader and I'm not comfortable speaking for someone who I've never met, who probably doesn't want me guessing, you know, what's in their head and relaying it to you. I felt the same way about dead people. <laughs> I don't mm. want to speak for the dead, but it's just come up. It's just happened sometimes. The last time it happened, it's probably been a couple months actually, but it was cards that came up. It was the death of someone's mother, um, but not the client it was actually their partner and that's what the cards were saying and I was like but this is to the back of you so I feel like this has already happened like is that relevant and she was like yeah because we're clearing out her house right now <laughs> like she died like very recently yeah. um, and it's not what she was looking for or expecting but it came through anyway um, yeah it, it rarely happens but it's always by accident but I just you know I tell it like it is I'm not gonna like ignore it yeah <laughs> uh, if it is there because I feel like that's sort of meant to happen but Lenormand cards are wonderful for mediums I've seen good mediums with tarot cards as well but Lenormand is wonderful because it is the language of spirit again it's like reading signs from spirit in day-to-day -day symbology um, whether that be like the mice card or the flowers or the tree these are all things that kind of we see in our natural life and again you can always ask the universe for these kind of signs um, and they'll pop up in your life uh, not always in the way you think it will <laughs> yeah um, but it does come through. And I feel like Lenormand is an excellent way to, to connect with spirit. Yeah. So when you, so let's, let's take that situation that you were in, were you seeing a specific card in a specific placement that alerted yeah, you? I can, I can remember the cards because <laughs> okay, again, it's yeah. quite unusual. So it was, it was the bear card, right? And the bear card for me, it can mean multiple things. Um, it's usually a mother. Um, it can also be authority figure. It can be managers. Occasionally, it can be actual bears. Um, you know, if you see the ship paired with the bear, someone's probably going to travel. Um, it happened for me last year, and I was like, where am I going to go that has bears? And I ended up getting a surprise trip to Romania. <laughs> so, you know, it's wild. It can be oh, literal cool. as well. But the bear card showed up in position 28. And card 28 is the man, right? So it was this person's partner. So I'm like, okay, I see your partner's mom. The other technique that I use is called mirroring. And it's a bit hard to describe. But if you imagine the spread, if you imagine this sort of rectangle shape, you know, nine cards in each row, four rows, if you were to fold that like a bit of paper, any cards that touched, you would combine their meanings. So in this case it was mirrored to the coffin card, right? Which uh -huh. is the card of death. <laughs> and it's not like tarot death it's not like change transformation difficult stuff scorpio all that um it is like just something died um and if it's you know with a person card it usually is that person the other one that it was mirrored to was the lily card um and the lily card is actually the father card so i don't i, I think i just didn't notice that one at first but the lily card can be symbolic of fatherhood it can be symbolic of spirit as well um it can be an actual lily or just a sense of peace as well. But when I pieced that all together, it just kind of came through like a message of I'm at peace. I'm with your dad now, like that kind of stuff, but not for her, for her partner who was not present. <laughs> right. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. Thank you for, for describing that. Cause I think, um, yeah, so cool to see how spirit comes through in such unique and, and like any way, any way <laughs> to push through it will push yeah, through. So definitely. I just find that so, I so should cool. say as well, um, that is what I intuited from that combination. 
you might get that combination that can mean something completely different. It's the same with tarot. Well, it's not the same with tarot because I feel like tarot is really set in the meanings, um, but you can be more intuitive with it. The Norman cards have a variety of meanings. Take, for example, the tree card. Tree card traditionally relates to family because it's family tree, right? <laughs> it's also more symbolic of health in one sense. I've also seen it um, show up in a career position when people uh, work outdoors, um, when they work, you know, as a gardener or, you know, in sort of environmental stuff. Um, a lot of Lenormand readers would also see it as growth. And I try to stay away from that because I feel like that's more of like a tarot sort of interpretation of what it is. But again, there are multiple meanings there, and it depends which cards you combine it with that the meaning changes. I said earlier, the fish isn't meant to be Pisces, but if you, if you combine it with the stars card, it might be. You know, there's also the sun and the moon card. These are more astrology cards that come into the Normans. Um, and there are a few cards that are the same. So the sun card, the moon card, uh, the tower, I think I'm missing another one um, but these are the same as tarot but they're interpreted totally differently you know the tower in tarot is seen as destruction <laughs> it's the falling tower right. in the normand it's an actual tower it's a real building ah. um, it might be a castle it might be a government building that's a big association with it is government stuff it might be the concept of something being tall it might be the concept of solitude so again this more folksy interpretation of the tower but as an astrologer i'm connecting them constantly i would say that the tower in normand is saturn the tower in uh tarot is saturn's return ah. <laughs> but they are interpreted differently you would rarely interpret the tower card in tarot as being like a cathedral or an actual building right. or relating yeah. to government, depending on the context. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like sort of what I'm getting from it is they're definitely a lot more literal in interpretation, but also have this sort of folky, non-literal sense to them also. Yeah. That the more sense. symbolic one. Yeah. And it's evolving with us. It's hard for me not to put astrology into everything. <laughs> I feel like I had to totally stay away from that when I was trying to master the Norman cards so that I didn't gravitate towards tarot meanings or astrology meanings. And I just learned, you know, the Lenormand meanings, which can be more likened to like tea leaf reading. I think once you know, or once you start to learn symbology and the way of Lenormand, it can spill over into other things like tea leaf reading, like dream interpretation, like um, crystal ball or visions. And again, this is where psychic stuff kind of comes in or like connecting to spirit because spirit works in symbols, right? This is what clairvoyance kind of get. They get it in their mind. They will see an image of something, but that image is often symbolic in the same right. way that Lenormand is, but it also might be literal. <laughs> So, you know, focusing your intuition to let you guide to which one it is. And yes. some of it is trial and error because it is going to be individual. It's not always going to, the combinations aren't going to work for everybody. Yeah, it's totally, I think, about listening to your intuition and just letting your intuition pop through and really giving you the clear answer. Because I think I'm I'm almost like hearing somebody right now listening and be like, well, is it a literal interpretation or is it the non-literal literal interpretation of a card I pull and it's like yeah, that is really up to your intuition in the end for you to sort of relax and let your intuition mm -hmm. flow through the card and then get the if we can say correct interpretation of it so if I were going to use a Lenormand deck in a mediumship reading 
would I do, would you, what would you suggest? Would you suggest doing the full spread? Cause you said you, you don't mm. really pull them individually. So if I was like connecting with, let's say someone's mother. Um, yeah. I, yeah. Pulling them one at a time is not good. Uh, Cause you need to read them in combinations, at least like the smallest string we could consider would be two cards. You know, it's mm. usually going to be three, five, seven. Some people would do nine. I don't want to advise people too much on how, uh, like, connect through mediumship with it because I feel like first and foremost you have to learn it as a fortune telling tool it is there to predict the future it's what it was designed for specifically whereas tarot you know we can argue its sort of origins but really it sort of stemmed from like Egyptian playing cards and then like gambling cards for the Italian aristocracy (laughs) it wasn't really designed for um, divination I think it came to be associated with divination because of the sort of religious and spiritual concepts in it and people even used to see gambling as a sort of spiritual event I guess your luck your fate your hands you know all those kind of associations whereas with Norman cards they stem from tea leaf reading you know they stem from predicting someone's future through symbology um, through symbolism so learning that first I think would help and sort of once you know that language, then you'd be able to hear spirit come coming to you through the cards or mm. see it or know it or feel it, whatever you like. Yeah. I wonder if like what's coming to me right now, like if I'm already plugged in with somebody's loved one, if I'm already connected with, let's say somebody's grandmother, I feel like I could pull those cards out and let's say do like a nine card spread as a message, letting her channel through the cards as yeah. a as a predictive future message, which I actually think could be really pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I work with a medium and she, you know, reads tarot cards, but it's it's mainly a trigger for spirit. It's mainly her saying, like, this is what's gonna happen, but it's what they're telling me, sort of. Yeah, I just try to avoid it, to be honest. <laughs> it yeah. always comes up by accident for me. Um, but I don't think it's a good tool to relay a message of communication, usually. I know I gave that example earlier of like, I'm at peace, I'm with your father, mm-hmm. but that was totally non-intentional. Um, it really should be future focused, I think. Um, and there yeah. are methods you can use to sort of read past and present as well. But again, that's just not my thing. I love to talk about the future. (laughs) Yeah. So these are future focused cards. I feel like that's a good thing to just remind people. So yeah, super interesting. The other thing that's sort of great with them, and this is where it differs, it it, it ranges from reader to reader, right? Everybody's going to feel differently about it. But I notice, and this is the same for me, Lenormand cards are much better, better for general readings. So when I say general readings, I don't mean like making generalizations. I mean, like just laying them out and seeing what they say without any intention, touching on multiple areas. Whereas tarot is better for focused readings, say, we'll talk about your love life or your career or your finances or your home life, like one thing at a time. And I feel like tarot, for me anyway, is better at answering questions like direct questions whereas Lenormand is better for sort of taking taking predictions without any question without any prior knowledge just going in and taking what's there oh yeah so cool so that sort of leads me to my next question which is you know how can somebody in their own spiritual practice use Lenormand or do you find do you think it's sort of only good for reading other people and being a future telling tool for other people rather than reading maybe yourself 
Mm. I occasionally read uh, Lenormand for myself, but because it's a tool that's open to interpretation and intuition, and we're often very um, colored by our own ideas of ourselves and our own feelings, our own insecurities, our own hopes, it's hard not to project that into cards. Um, so I would say they're good for sort of planning your own life if you're reading for yourself. Maybe you're really great at reading for yourself. Again, I'm delusional, so I'm not. I like <laughs> to stick with astrology because there's no interpretation there, really. The transits mean what they mean. <laughs> I, I do think they are just favored uh, in terms of fortune telling, reading for the future. If people want to sort of work with them, a lot of tarot readers will sort of work with the energies of cards. You know, they'll meditate on certain cards. Um, they'll use certain cards in spell work or manifestation work. And if you want to do that with Lenormand, that's fine. But it's not what I'm doing. I'm going to do what they've done for the last 200 years, which is <laughs> read someone's future. So do you ever feel, do you ever feel nervous reading the future for people? No, uh, not anymore. I did for like the first year or two in business, but um, like it's been five and a half years now and I've never had a bad online review. I haven't. I've had criticism. Probably like, uh, I mean, I see hundreds of people every year and probably a handful of them, um, you know, are either not satisfied or they feel it's not accurate. And that might be me, but I'm not aiming to be 100% for everybody all the time. I think if I give like 80, 90% accuracy in a reading to nine out of 10 people, that's fucking awesome. Like, how yeah. are you going to get better than that unless you're an actual deity? So I don't feel nervous anymore. If people are nervous out there, you know, preparing for readings, don't overthink it. Um, you can also just ask spirit. Again, I'm not a medium, but I just <laughs> I call it in any way. You can ask spirit. You can ask your ancestors to help. Remember that emotions are actually a tool. They're not there to hinder you. They're there to help you. And the reason you're nervous is because you want to do a good job and probably because you don't want to appear like a fraud. <laughs> It's called imposter syndrome, right? It's like, can I really do it? Am I accurate? Am I going to get it right? But imposters don't worry about that shit. <laughs> they don't care. <laughs> you care, so you're probably a good person. Um, and people are rarely bad at doing what they enjoy. So try to just enjoy it. Try to see it as a learning experience. Get curious. Um, because that curiosity, the universe loves to fill open space, right? And if that open space is your mind, you're going to become a better conduit you're going to become a better channel but it is normal to to overthink stuff I think the the nerves that I do get are mainly from other people if I work at a busy event um, my record for readings in one day was 37 people and that was back to back and that is awful don't do that to yourself holy shit yeah um, I did this event and like the other two readers didn't show up <laughs> I didn't want to disappoint anyone <laughs> um, oh I'm sure there was probably more requests than that but um yeah Try to protect yourself from other people's emotions as well. This is why another reason why I try to stay away from mediumship and talking about the past is because people get emotional, right? And I used to do the thing where I would let my clients cry. cry. I would let them just like kind of treat me like a counselor. I remember someone booked my first year of business, like five years ago, someone booked a 15 minute reading and maybe on like minute 14, they burst out crying. Uh, and I couldn't just tell them to leave like I felt so awful they stayed for another half hour telling me about their whole life and I just kind of took on that shit you know they hadn't booked it they hadn't paid for it I think they tipped me like two pound at, at the time which is maybe like three dollars yeah <laughs> you know? um, for that so you have to have strong boundaries with people and I refuse people uh, readings as well the other day I had someone message me which is quite a stereotype in this business, but you know, it was a young lady and she said, you know, I broke up with my partner two weeks ago. I want to book a reading with you. I want to know if they're going to come back. And I just said, no, 
I'm not here to talk about people from your past. I'm here to advise you on your future. And I'm not going to resurrect your past like a zombie because if it didn't work out first time, why would it work out again? You know, and I would feel bad taking money from people, either giving them the hope that they wanted, which is probably false hope, or just obliterating them, you know, and and kind of taking money for that. So I just said, you know, contact me when you're, um, when you've had time to heal, when you've gone through the process of letting go, and then we can see what else is coming in your future. Um, but I'm not here to resurrect your past or provide a lucky charm or like a love spell. It's just not about that. This has been such a good conversation. I do have a few, a few other questions. And so one of them is that you've worked with a lot of different types of divination like astrology palmistry tarot Mm -hmm. crystals tea leaf reading why do you think that you sort of feel called to these types of reading tools you mean like the sort of older maybe more folksy yeah like you won't see me with like a modern deck (laughs) right yeah and you you also mentioned that you buy vintage lenormand decks so yeah yeah it seems like you're drawn to these sort of folksy uh ways of divination i'm wondering if you have a feeling why and also which one is your mm-hmm. favorite if you could name one. Oh, so favorite um it would actually be like favorite for different things in terms of timing events whole sign astrology in terms of answering questions probably tarot cards in terms of general readings it would be lenormand um tea leaves are kind of their own thing and i bring a bunch of other different little stuff into it i had to test earlier this year to make sure i still like knew how to use a pendulum because i hadn't been doing it for years but it still worked for me you know i just tend to focus on the ones that give the most information and that's cards that's astrology that's palmistry um tea leaves as well but it really depends on the cup so i don't really have a specific favorite it's more like i have favorites for specific things <laughs> yeah the reason I got so into like the antique style of stuff when I was 22 and I was going through it was like the space of a week I turned 22 I quit my job in the country moved to the city like went vegan like just you know started having like a daily spiritual practice got sober all that kind of shit and at the same time a few years earlier my auntie who's my great auntie she had I never really knew her because she lived in Fife which is like north of Edinburgh um kind of across the water she moved down closer to me and she said like oh I hear you've been reading tarot cards I've got some that were my grandmother's and I'm like oh, they'll be really fucking old like let me see them and she pulled them out and it wasn't tarot cards at all they were actually fortune cards specifically the Ramses fortune card edition they kind of have like an Egyptian style back um, the fronts of them are playing cards, but they have predictions printed on them, like on the top and reversal. And there's a handful of different kinds of that. Um, and she showed me like her grandmother's crystal ball. And I just kind of fell in love with these antiques. Ah. <laughs> and they kind of like set me back to a time gone by. Um, you know, she kind of regaled me with stories um, from her childhood, like of tea leaf reading with her grandmother, stuff like that. Um, so I really developed a uh, an interest in the older and also wanting to preserve it as well kind of like I talked about earlier I don't want the term fortune telling to run out of fashion uh, to fall out of fashion um because it is what it is at the end of the day and I actually just have an affinity for old things in general <laughs> I oh, think yeah, I'm just like kind of old soul type like I'm not a, the usual 20 year old person like I've got sort of like leather Chesterfield furniture a bunch of taxidermy in my living room you know, it's kind of a mix of like the the old and antique with the gothic for me. So I've just always been drawn to it and wanting to, I guess, preserve it, but also keep it working in the modern world. 
Yeah. Love that. I also love, I love antique stores. I love old things like (laughs) old items. I love them. I I just can't explain why. Um, So yeah, totally, totally relate on that. And yeah, I think there's a really cool, you know, storyline or thread in what you're sharing of, yeah, preserving these divination tools and practices that have been happening for a really long time and I think that is Mm -hmm. really cool and important and a different type of magic to really tap into mm -hmm. I think also it was about going back to that folksy mindset you know when I had my like little I guess coming out as like a professional or whatever it it was very new age do you know what I mean the market market was saturated with like crystal psychics and aura reading and all that kind of stuff and I'm just like that's not traditional for my culture like a hundred years ago and I mean Scotland's always been steeped in superstition and magic I mean our national animal is the unicorn you know (laughs) yeah (laughs) Um, I think Scotland and Wales Wales has the dragon we're the only like mythical creature uh national animal nations um but it was also trying to like preserve the mindset or the wisdom you don't need a deck of cards you don't need to look you know in the lines of someone's hand or at their astrology chart or whatever you can read signs in nature my auntie does it as well she's not really a fortune teller but she's definitely very spiritual and there's just all these like old superstitions and saying like I remember I dropped a knife in her kitchen one day and she says oh that means a man's gonna come into your life you know (laughs) if I dropped a fork it would have been a woman you know all these just like little superstitions and I think there is wisdom in them if you read them like an omen um, or like a divination oh yeah so cool I love that awesome well this has been such a wonderful conversation I have one last question for you which is the Mm -hmm. classic opening the door question and that is what can someone who's listening right now do in their daily life or just life in general to open their door up a little bit more to their natural intuitive abilities again you could go back to reading signs and actually ask for it I've got here's maybe like a quick little story I went to see a psychic one day who I ended up working in her shop for a couple years I'm not there anymore but it was a strange day because I found four pennies on the way to the shop in different places like there was one outside my house there was one at the bus stop there was one on the bus there was one on my way to the shop and one of the first things the psychic said to me when I went in she said when you find five pence like five pennies on the ground lift it up to the sky and say thank you Um, And it will bring better things into your life. And I was like, well, I found four pennies today. It was maybe I left the shop and like two minutes later, I found a penny. This doesn't happen on any other day. I'm lucky to find one, you know, but I finally found the fifth penny. So I picked it up, lifted it to the sky, said, thank you. Then I went to um, one of my friend's house and I've been talking about buying a tablet for um, six months, um, like an iPad or something, but I'm Capricorn rising. So like, I'm really penny pincher kind of thing. I wasn't going to buy it. Um, and I walked into her house and she was like, Oh, here, I've got this spare, like Amazon fire tablet. Do you want it? Like almost as soon as I walked in and I was like, that's manifestation just very quick. Like to the point where I was like kind of screaming and I was like, what the fuck? Like are you in cahoots with this psychic woman that she never heard of? But you can ask the universe for things like that. You can ask for manifestation. You can ask for signs. You know, if you want sign of confirmation, ask for a pink elephant, be specific. Pink elephant ain't going to walk through your door, but you might see a painting of one. You might, you know, get a small gift of one, something like that. You might see it on TV. It really can be anywhere. So don't confine yourself to a deck of cards. Talk to the universe and it will talk back to you. Um, Just remember that it's speaking symbolically. You're not speaking the same language necessarily. (laughs) You have to learn that. 
Yeah. Ooh, such good advice. And where can listeners find you if they want to learn more about you and check out your services? Mm -hmm. Uh, My website is fortunebykalem.com. I was using it a lot. Now it just kind of links you to my email. I do prefer it when people email me, especially for uh, if they're in different countries. Um, But you can find me on social media, Instagram is Fortune by Calum. Facebook will be as well. Yeah, just look up Fortune by Calum uh, and you'll find me. Amazing. Caleb, thank you so, so much for being here and having this conversation. You shared so much good knowledge with us and people are going to love this. Thank you so, so much. Thank you for all the great questions. I love talking about Lenormand. I wish there were more readers out there so we can talk about it more. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you love the podcast and listen on Apple, please be sure to rate and leave a review. If you want more from Opening the Door, Follow along on Instagram at Opening the Door Podcast. Have a question about psychic work or psychic development? Email opening the door podcast at gmail.com and you might have your question included in one of our future QA episodes.